Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast. I'm Allie Grant, the founder of Be Social. Each week, we're inviting influencers, entrepreneurs, and the digitally savvy to share their social media story. We're going to break down how they've grown a business through their social footprint. Join us by following along on their journey. Hey guys, welcome back to the Follow Me Podcast. This is Allie. Let's get into today's episode. So we start every episode the same, talking about what we saw on the internet. This week, I have been starting to play around with Dispo. I want to call it Diplo, but that's not how you call it. (laughs) Um, But basically, it's a a new social app, and it's invite-only right now, but for whatever reason, I got onto it, and I've been playing around with it, and it is very interesting. So it's photo-based, kind of like an Instagram And then you have albums, sort of like Facebook albums. But what's really interesting is you take the photo and then it develops like the next morning is when you see it. So kind of interested in seeing how this app grows. It's supported and created by David Dobrik, who's obviously such a huge player in the game. So I imagine it'll take off. You got tons of investment for it. So yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out. And it is profile based. So you have a profile that you share your photos to. I imagine it will really start to take off. So. That's what I saw on the internet this week. Today's guest is a longtime client of Be Social. He has so many awesome things going on. I find him to be such a leader in the social and influencer space, and he has just continued to grow in his career. And I love watching him blossom and grow and do so many cool things within our industry. I'm just really proud to know him. He's a great guy. So let's get into it. Mario is a passionate and strategic marketer who drives value and results across marketing channels. Currently, he is the head of U.S. marketing at H&M. And on top of that, he has been the director of social media for L'Oreal, Forever 21, among other amazing companies. So let's get into this exciting episode. All right. I am so excited you're here with me today, Mario. So we start every episode the same, starting with, give us your elevator pitch. Ooh, good question. So my elevator pitch, um, well, first and foremost, my name is Mario Marino, and I am a marketer. So I am very much in the world of marketing. I've marketed for tons of fashion brands and retail brands, Forever 21 guests, L'Oreal Paris, and have really navigated this interesting social and digital world. I actually started my career when Instagram launched. Um, I put together a presentation as to why guests should be on social media, and my career really kind of took off from there. But now that skyrocketed me to um, overseeing head of marketing for H&M within the U.S. So that's kind of my brief little summary of, of who I am and what I'm all about, marketing and social media. <laughs> the marketing wizard. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So you kind of like led me to the segue of talking about Instagram. Yeah. So this is another question we always ask. Do you know what your first Instagram post was? Yes, actually. I remember taking a trip to Palm Springs and I thought it was so cool because everybody was like at that time doing like food shots and like avocado toast. And I remember having like a drink in my hand. I was like, oh, I'm going to put the mountains in the background. So I'm not going to show it on the table. I'm going to lift it up. I have since deleted that post because now that's just embarrassing. But (laughs) that was my, I vividly remember a Palm Springs drink photo. 
Wow, a true visionary. Okay, because I, I actually like dug into your Instagram, like creeped really hard and yeah. Instagram, and it was not that. So I was like, oh my god, SOS, we brought up the wrong one, but you've deleted it, you've archived it. I yes, know. yes, exactly. First one that you have up is from May 2014, and it's from London. Ah, yes. Queen, Harry Potter, and fish and chips. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that sums it up. My my English heritage and background. So <laughs> some good digging, some good digging. Oh, I love that. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that like one of your first forays into your job in marketing was actually presenting on the importance of Instagram and social media. So take us back to a young Mario just getting into your career and where were you and what were you doing? Yeah. So I would really, I mean, I had some interesting jobs. I worked at Hollister as a greeter and like sprayed the fans with cologne um, throughout the store for the longest time. But I would say my true, true career really kicked off with an internship with guests, guest jeans. And I studied communication studies in college. So I got an internship in the communications and training and development department. And that's when I really started to understand that, hey, you know, like, People are communicating in different ways. There's new things coming out. Back then, you had to have a email address and be like allowed to enter Facebook because you had to have a college email address. Mm-hmm. And there was so many different things that I started to see. Guests of this iconic advertising brand that had you know all these amazing models. I was like, there's a place on the internet for this. This digital forum and Instagram had just launched. So for me, I was like, hey, no one's talking about this, and like. I think there's something here. So I put together a proposal for the CEO and I presented it to him. And I said, you know, there's huge opportunity for us to take this content that we're already shooting and put it on digital channels. And I think there's something here. And I didn't expect it to really kind of take off, but he was so pleased with it. He said, okay, great. I want you to do it. And I was like, wait, did I just get a promotion? Like <laughs> what just happened? From that point on is is really when I started to fall in love with, you know, social media and influencer marketing and my love for marketing really kind of grew into this more digital kind of outlook. So really trying to think of how can you optimize creative, how can you optimize channels and start to build strategies around that. So I think as young Mario, who was super eager and, you know, would stay super late and be the first one in to turn on all all the lights, I was curious to figure out what is this new way of marketing and how could I contribute to it? So Mm -hmm. it it was fun. It was very, very fun. I mean, that's so innovative of you to like, come up with this presentation, pitch it to the CEO. Were you like freaking out? Were you so nervous or were you confident? To be honest with you, I was I was confident because I knew it was something that he didn't know. So it kind of set me off of like, great, this could be more of a FYI. This mm-hmm. could be something interesting for him. I didn't expect him to take it and run with it. So I'm very grateful and I, I owe a lot of my uh, career advancements to him and the opportunity because not always do you get the opportunity to to present something and people, you know, take that. But I think what I've really learned is if you really believe in something and you see the potential in it, share that passion and excitement, and that will kind of come through in your work, which is kind of contagious. So I think that's what kind of helped young Mario out. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Okay. And you were there for like six years, which I feel like your first job is like in a millennial, like that's a long time. Exactly. What made you move to, I think you went to Forever 21 from there? Yeah, like, exactly. Reasoning for changing and making that move. Yeah, I mean, you've really done your research. You're good. Yeah, I stayed at, for guests uh, about six or six and a half years. And what really 
got me to stay there was the company values. I think you have to really kind of identify with the company that you're working for. You have to respect the people that you're working with. I'm a big believer is, yes, a big brand name can get you in, but the company culture is really what keeps people there. And they had a great company culture. So it was very hard for me to leave. But at the same time, too, I just didn't want to be a lifer at a company. I wanted to explore my options. And at the time, you know, there was a social media position opening up at Forever 21. And this was when Forever 21 was at their peak. And influencer marketing had just started. And that was a huge part of that role. So Whereas, yes, we worked a lot with the creative that we had. Forever 21 was very much open to working with influencers and PR gifting and seeding and stuff like that. And I thought that was a a great new opportunity. Plus, it was a global role. So I would have to learn things about Kakao Talk, Line, Weibo, WeChat, like all of these different things that I had never been challenged with before. So I took the hop there and, you know, that was at the height of kind of all of the Instagram slash influencer marketing joyride, if you will. And it just took off like crazy. So it was the perfect time to make that switch. Awesome. I love that. And Forever 21 was like their strategy. I don't know if you can talk about this, but was it like gifting or were you guys paying influencers? Like what was their approach when this was like 2015-ish? Like what was So at that time, it was very different than the way that it is now. Um, Influencers were very open to doing things specifically just for a product. I think it was all about getting clout and getting recognition from these big brands. So we were actually tasked at Forever 21 with focusing on not only user-generated content and filtering through content. I developed the hashtag F21XMe. At that time, there wasn't really like a hashtag gathering, if if you will, of, of customer content. So we were able to really grow the brand based off of that. But in regards to influencer, that's where it became super interesting as well, because influencers were working on building their following that they were willing to you know, partner in very different kind of ways. So globally, we would work with about 50 new influencers every single month. So we would be responsible for doing the contracts, vetting the influencers, getting everything going, working with them, and then next month we would work with a whole nother set of 50 you know global influencers so it was crazy and super fast paced i don't think i'll ever work at a company that worked as fast as forever 21 but i loved it and it taught me so much you know about speed and social media and and how to work with different content creators yeah really living up to the fast fashion right exactly exactly very fast too fast almost that content like across web and like where would you be using that like influencer content yeah so that was a really interesting time because a lot of brands were very scared about using influencer content on their emails you know there's a retail formula that a lot of people the industry was very copy paste and i think what was very exciting about forever 21 is they wanted to be different they wanted to be fast they wanted to follow the, the trends so what they were able to do is get actually get ahead of the trends by utilizing that for emails, using more, you know, video content for YouTube, like working with what they had Instagram stories launched, like how do you utilize that? So like, it was really developing a mix of content um, Mm -hmm. with these different content creators and also shooting more. It it was funny because what we actually started to see is even our e-commerce content started to shift to become more social media like, whereas Mm -hmm. in the past, it used to be more campaign, you know, high gloss, high retouch, all of that. So it was very interesting to see it kind of develop and and the impact social media had. And then from there, you moved into beauty at L'Oreal. So what made you kind of move into that role? And what were you excited about, like working at L'Oreal? 
Yeah, truth be told, it was a personal choice. I had been at that time in California for, I think, 27, 28 years since I was born. And, um, you know, I'm born and raised in California. And I was just like, I went to college at Loyola Marymount University in California. So I was very eager to kind of try something new. And uh, L'Oreal, I hate to say that they begged because that sounds very bad, but like they nonstop reached out. They were like, we want we want whatever you did at Forever 21 to happen to us. We love what you did with influencer marketing. You know, we need to find a position for you. And I think that's where I really started to tap into this is something here. And it's not just like a little cute job that everyone thinks is like, oh, you're on Facebook all day or, oh, you're on Instagram all day. Like there is something here and businesses are profiting off of that. So what I did is I moved over to New York basically like packed everything up within like a month and a half and like relocated my entire life. Didn't have any friends. I had one friend here in New York, but like didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but was just up for the challenge Yeah, and oversaw their social and influencer strategy for their L'Oreal hair portion of the business, which was really fun and exciting and completely different than anything I was used to. Yeah. And such a obviously massive company. And in a role like that, where you're a director and marketing or social, you work with probably a lot of like outsourced third party agencies, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I didn't realize the difference between fashion and beauty in terms of budgets, in terms of agencies. It's like a whole different ballgame there. And, uh, you know, the budgets are 10 times as as big. The agencies pump out 10 times as much content. So it was really interesting to kind of pivot into that world and like, really kind of dive into beauty and kind of learn something that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, but knew the strategy of social media and the mechanics of how it all works. So it was fun. It was definitely a challenge. Did you have anything to do with like L'Oreal League and building that program out? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, 100%. So the L'Oreal League was actually a program that was an influencer slash ambassador program that had started right before I got there. I think the brand really didn't know what to do with it. And I think, you know, ambassador programs are so interesting at the time, because as opposed to just having a one and done relationship, it's now you have people you're building a relationship with, you have always on content, you're tapping into these people, and content creators on a more regular basis. So they actually become like your friends and family and your coworkers and in, in some capability. So I really kind of gave the Loyal League a refresh and started to do more influencer-oriented trips, tying any sort of our activations at Paris Fashion Week to, you know, some of these events, you know, creating our own moments in kind of the US calendar and, and taking the influencers to, you know, Aspen and putting the L'Oreal logo on a helicopter and getting, you know, massive amounts of impressions. And I think this was, as we're talking about the social media journey, this is where it gets super interesting because the evolution of content, of influencers, of, of all of that kind of shifts and changes. Whereas you know, Revolve was starting to do a lot more trips. Uh, Mm -hmm. L'Oreal was starting to do trips and and trips started to become the go-to thing. So it was fun to be a part of that as it was getting started and help the brand kind of evolve and figure out how do they focus more on video content versus static content? And Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you get a lot out of these trips and make sure that they're successful in delivering ROI? Yeah, no, definitely. And I also feel like L'Oreal was one of the first to like bring influencers to like iconic celebrity events like the Emmys or things like yeah, that yeah. which I feel like is really interesting and now you see like other sponsors of these like big events now bringing influencers but 
did you have a part of that? Was that like, you know, part of the strategy? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think what, what L'Oreal, you know, L'Oreal is a big brand. You see their commercials everywhere because you're worth it. You Mm -hmm. see all of that kind of tied to these sponsorships. And I think what was super interesting is that like, it just took a little bit extra as part of the negotiations, as part of the sponsorships. You know, we had that red carpet backdrop or step and repeat and logo behind us. We had the commercial. All of the the large elements were already there. So what we would bake into the contracts is allow us to send, you know, one talent, allow us to send an influencer. Can yeah. we do a behind the scenes Instagram takeover, you know, type thing? So it was really fun to be able to optimize these already existing agreements in kind of a modern way. So it was very, very fun. We did a lot of different red carpet events. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like now other brands, you know, kind of try and copy that model, which I think is so interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so then you moved to H&M, which is where you're at now. Yeah. Tell us about that shift and why and kind of what your role entails now. Yeah. So to be honest with you, H&M is my dream brand. I remember, you know, back in California, waiting outside of the mall at like 4am for the Alexander Wang collaboration, which like, if you guys remember the good old days of H&M, like people would like rush the stores, and the collections would sell out and the David Beckham campaigns and all of that stuff. I'm just was such a huge fan. And you know, H&M had previously, you know, been very hard to get into. They hired a lot from within. They believe in, you know, development from the store teams and all good things, but it makes it very hard for somebody who doesn't have a connection to get in. So I actually had followed up with them, you know, four years prior, really trying to apply for a position and a role. And it ultimately didn't work out at that time. But I stayed in close contact with their uh, recruiting team and HR team. And after, you know, nothing against L'Oreal, but I very quickly realized that beauty wasn't for me. I liked the speed of of fashion and I liked, you know, being a part of a brand that was constantly changing. So for me, I, you know, after a year was like, okay, I I think I need to get back into fashion. And all the stars kind of aligned and um, H&M reached out for the role that actually didn't work out a couple years ago and said, you know, we have the social media position. So I started out as head of social media for the U.S., and then after a year, was really able to show my expansive knowledge of not only social media, but also marketing in general, and was up for a promotion to oversee the entire marketing team. So I went from a team of four to a team of 16. So it was a huge, huge jump and something that was very exciting. And now I kind of serve as uh, the head of marketing for U.S. currently. So it's, it's a huge responsibility, but one that I absolutely love and I have a fantastic team. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at today. <laughs> I know some of your team and they're amazing. <laughs> they really are like the best in the business. So you manage 15 people. Like what is that like? And what are your challenges with like managing staff? I find it yeah. to be very difficult. I think it like some person holds a natural thing for others. It's not. So talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing about a team that large that people don't prepare you for is that it's not only the workload, it's also you're inheriting all of these people that have different personalities, different, um, you know, like so working styles. And I think that is always the hardest adjustment is how do I kind of navigate making sure that I show up for my team, making sure that I'm available 
and you really start to become a people manager. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing that, you know, anyone can do the job, anyone can manage projects, anyone can manage a budget, you know, you teach yourself all of those skills, but to really listen and, and understand what your team wants and make sure that you're sharing and communicating the vision is a really hard thing. So for me, it's like I was able to do that on a small scale and get some expertise with doing it with a team of three or four. But then to amplify that to a team of 16, like, how do you actually, you know, do that? So I spent a lot of time talking to my team, talking about their career development, talking mm-hmm. about the goals of the company, making sure that we're all on the same page. And I think now I'm at a, in a place where I've, I've been in that role for two years that I've been able to understand what my team needs and how we all work well together so that I'm kind of steering the ship and making sure everything's working correctly. And they're really helping support execute that vision. So it's been a huge growth opportunity because you just kind of get thrown into it. The, the training wheels all come off, but it's been the best. You're also helping other people grow and challenging them in new ways. So it's so yeah. fun to see. And I know we've had the pleasure of working together on a couple different events. It's so great to have that feeling of like my team feeling like, oh, I did it. And like, you yeah. know, I'm I'm proud of this and we all work collectively together to do it. So it's it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, no, it really is. And obviously with management, there's so many like ups and downs. Right. But I feel like you've built such a great team and like they really see you as a leader and like really oh, trust thank you. you. So you've clearly done something right along the way. Thank what you. do you look for when you're looking to hire on your team? Like what are the characteristics? the trait. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, I'm very interested in kind of reading people and really making sure that one, there are people that understand that at the end of the day, no matter what we do, there needs to be a results component to it. I think in a lot of times in the marketing PR world, it's very easy to just, you know, do a ton of things, but also how are you analyzing and taking a look at like the impact that it's driving? So that's one thing. Um, but then two, it's, Oftentimes, I mean, I have very high standards for my team. I am hold them to a different level of accountability. And I think for me, it's having somebody that's a generalist and a specialist. And even though that kind of sounds like it's a unicorn, it's mm-hmm. somebody that is so interested in their job that they want to do it to the best of their ability. But the curiosity that they can and will work cross-functionally to understand the business in its entirety and really kind of learn as much. So they may not be an expert at everything. They may just be an expert in what they're, you know, supposed to do or or good at, but they understand how everything else works. And I think that's something that's so important. And, and me personally, what's helped me get into a role that oversees so many different sub departments within marketing, it's like, you have to be curious and you have to be willing to like roll up your sleeves and learn things that are outside of your scope. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big believer of that's not my job description. That's not for me. It's I'm curious. I see value. I want to learn more. So that's kind of what I expect of my team and look for. So you really like built this like very strong resume. You have like so many years and like amazing corporate companies, big household names. What made you kind of take the leap into starting your own brand recently, yeah. TV, which I'm so excited to chat about? Like what was that that kind of like sparked the fire to get that going? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's it's exactly what you're mentioning. I, you know, have worked for so many big brands and, you know, a lot of people hear this marketer who has been a part of all of these fashion and retail brands and like 
now venturing off and creating my own organic tea line. It sounds completely crazy, but for me, it, it, it's not. It just makes sense. What I started to do is especially, you know, about a year ago, I went to lunch with a friend and we were having all of these conversations. And, you know, I love coffee, but at the same time, I don't love everything that I put into it, all the sugars, all the sweeteners, all of that, the milk and stuff like that. Yeah. And also, you know, we we're having a conversation. Uh, my friend has kids and he was mentioning there's not like a really good organic option for a beverage for, for kids. And we went on at lunch together and took a look on Amazon and searched organic teas. And what we found were there were tons of loose leaf teas. So mm-hmm. long story short, what we started to see is like there's a huge gap in the marketplace for organic teas. And I just kind of took that idea and, and ran with it of really making sure that like, okay, there's something here I can create, you know, and source organic teas and becoming your own entrepreneur and, and having this idea and really kind of growing it. Fast forward to a a year later, we just launched a week and a half ago on Amazon and came out with the brand We Spilled the Tea. Um, Have You know, we're getting there with the Instagram following, but had a huge kind of influencer launch. We've already gotten press coverage on it. So it's been so exciting to kind of sit back and be like, I created this from scratch based off an idea. And I think it's perfect timing, to be honest with you. I'm the type of person that always has to be doing things. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, I've been able to work on this, you know, during quarantine, I I wake up pretty much every day at like six o'clock. And before I start my H&M work, I work on the tea. And then once I'm done with H&M work, I work on, you know, we spill the tea again. So it's been very fun to be able to, to put this out in the world and have something that's my own versus just marketing and developing something for somebody else. So it's a nice balance. I'm, it's been hard to juggle H&M and we spill the tea, but it's been very, very fun and rewarding. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I have to say, you sent me some. Thank you so much. It is of course. good. I'm like a huge tea drinker. I have tea every single night. Oh, that's and amazing. It really is so, so good. Like I'm obsessed. And I Thank feel like you. you thought of like all the little details and it's so clear that it's a marketer has created this brand, right? Because you have like the name is cute. The branding is cute. The social is cute. Like all the pieces are just like perfect. And it's just like very clear that someone who knows what they're doing launched this brand. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think that's, that means so much to me because I think that was the intention, right? Is like, when you think of tea, you think of like master tea blenders or tea leaves or like this old, like Lipton kind of view. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, to modernize it. I looked around and I was like, this could be so cool. And it's not just specifically, I mean, it's our teas organic, but also the packaging is biodegradable. The wrappers are biodegradable. We use FSC certified paper. Like there's so many sustainability elements to it that I didn't want that to be the focus. I just wanted it to be a cool brand that is good for you and good for the the environment and then just take it from there and see where it goes. So it's yeah. been so exciting to to take all of my learnings from marketing and how to advertise a product and put it into this and kind of play with that and see, you right. know, what's working, what's not. Yeah. Uh, influencer press kit, do people like it? Like will that drive more Insta stories? Will it drive feed posts? Like all of these different things. It's I'm actually putting, you know, what I've always wanted to do to the test. So Um, But thank you for the kind words. Yeah, I love that. And has that been, I guess, for someone wanting to start a brand, like, was there a lot of capital that you had to put into it? And how do you source that? Was that your own capital? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so for me, to be honest with you, I I saved up for it. Um, I invested all of kind of my own money into it. I didn't want to, you know, kind of source any sort of capital because 
I wanted all of the equity to be mine and I wanted to be in control of what the brand becomes and all of that. So for me, it, it was a huge dip into my savings and, and you know, a huge uh, risk there. But I think, you know, what was so inspiring and what really got me to get over my fears of it honestly was TikTok, as crazy as that sounds, is hearing all of these, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds that -hmm. are talking about drop shipping that are like doing, you know, uh, tips and tricks on how to start your own Shopify account and how to, you know, sell on Amazon. I was just really inspired. And I think COVID has really taught us nothing is for certain and things can change on, you know, a drop of a dime. But for me, it was just like, why not? Why not do this on the side? And why not take the risk um, and see where this goes? So it's been really exciting and fun to kind of navigate all of this and just take that leap of faith. But yeah, a lot of it was rolling out my sleeves, dipping into my savings, you know, kind of building out the product. And as always, there's unexpected costs and things that pop up that you just have to prepare for. But I wanted it to be my brand. And I wanted to be in control of the output and how I, you know, spent my investments. Well, I feel like you have a very successful future. It's truly the best. Thank you. Speaking of TikTok, you're like a major TikTok influencer now. So um, you have what, 100,000 followers on TikTok? Yeah, I- yeah. I just passed uh, 100,000. 100, so I was super excited about that. Thank you. What? Like, How did you do that? And like, Tell me more. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, TikTok was super interesting for me because I started to see, as I was mentioning, like I was just going on TikTok for all of like the the funny videos and things like that. But then I started to find like there's all these people. I have learned so much on TikTok. I've learned how to like repair things. I've learned wow. different like baking tips. I've learned real estate, you know, tips and all of that. And, and TikTok is really such a great, fun resource. But I started to see all of these people just love to learn. And and I took a webinar on TikTok and it was really interesting because it said people are there to um, be entertained, to promote themselves or to laugh and just have a good time and, and also be inspired. So that always stuck out to me as like, okay, there's something here. So I started to say, okay, what am I good at? Because I, I've always struggled with the influencer side of Instagram. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it was so hard to keep up with. How do I constantly have content? How do I, on top yeah. of my day job and like, it's dark out when I'm done working. So how do I create all this content and all that stuff? Yeah. So for me, it, TikTok became a place to where, hey, I'm good at marketing. Let me share my marketing tips. Mm-hmm. And let me build this community of people who are interested in getting into the brand and learning more and, you know, trying to take on marketing. So I just kind of focused on creating marketing content, tips, tricks, resources, sharing everything that I know. And it just kind of took off and then really kind of started to see, you know, which was a great thing. Saw other marketers kind of copy some of the things that I do or duet some of the things that I did. And it really just kind of took off there. So it's been really, really rewarding. And I've been able to, you know, help people land jobs, give career advice, resume tips. And I think that at the end of the day is like the most rewarding thing ever is to help somebody out within their career. Yeah, no, I love that. Do you plan to like monetize that in some way? Or are you just having fun with it right now? To be honest with you, I have to be a little bit careful, uh, because I do have a contract with H&M and just got to be careful with kind of what I put out there. So not at the at the moment, because I still, you know, H&M is my priority and my tea business is my priority. So I really just kind of want to have fun with it and, and share, uh, you know, tons of tips. But there's a lot of, you know, marketers out there that are monetizing it. I think it's very smart of them to do for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, 
you can make a lot of money in social media. Yep, you sure can. <laughs> oh my gosh, your journey is so amazing. I feel like there's just like so much more to come in your life too. So, Oh, thank you. It's exciting. Yeah, no, it is. Okay, so we're going to wrap up with rapid fire questions. Oh, perfect. So they're more like one sentence, not like rapid fire. But Okay. So let's do this. I'm sweating. <laughs> favorite influencer to follow? Ooh, favorite influencer to follow? I would say Brittany Xavier. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, she's amazing. And talk about TikTok. Yes, exactly, exactly. That put her in the winner spot. What influencer-owned brand is your favorite? Ooh, influencer-owned brand. Ah. <laughs> you can say pass if you want. I'll, pa- I'll pass on that one. I don't want to be biased. <laughs> How has TikTok changed the influencer industry in your opinion? I would say TikTok changed the influencer industry as it's become less serious and less polished. It can be a little bit more grittier with the content um, and still do exceptionally well. And I also think that underdogs are able to go more viral without having a huge following. So, yeah. so that was a two-part answer. Sorry. Yeah. Biggest tip for a brand wanting to create a presence on social media? Start on TikTok. TikTok has the ability to reach scale a lot faster than what Instagram could do now. In addition, a bonus tip is really not taking on too much is if you're a one person brand or a very small brand, you don't have to be on every single social media channel. Yeah, that's smart. I feel like that's so true. They like try to do it all. and It's just like, no. Exactly. Exactly. Stay focused. What is the best advice you have ever received? The best advice I've ever received is to follow your gut and not worry what other people think about you. Mm. And then what is the most memorable moment of your career to date? Oh, my most memorable. I mean, this is going to sound like a cop out because you guys are involved. But honestly, (laughs) working with the Be Social team with Coachella activations and our Utah activation. Uh, that was one of the most memorable, you know, activations of, of my social media journey. So, oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. Yeah, we need to do another one soon. Hopefully, once all of this COVID stuff goes away. <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Well, in closing, this is sort of like if someone was like, okay, I want to like work at H&M, I want to be a Mario, what would you say to them? Like, why would someone want your job? Like, why would someone want to do what you do? Explain that. Yeah, so I would say, you know, the best way to kind of get your foot in the door to kind of build yourself up is kind of what I mentioned before is really kind of understanding this digital landscape. Digital and online are really growing tremendously for a lot of brands. And, you know, COVID is really expediting that process as well. So I would recommend there's tons of, you know, free social media certifications online, getting experience doing that, you know, working in a a marketing specialist role or really kind of diving into that to make sure it's the right fit for you. But I think what I love about marketing is that every single day it changes. And you know, it's so interesting because it's even if you were to keep up with textbooks or things like that, it just it changes so frequently. So if you're a person that likes to be on your toes, constantly evolve, you're constantly curious and always learning, I think marketing is a great place for you. But I think the way to really get your foot in the door is to really, you know, expand your digital skill sets, because that's so needed right now, especially as this kind of digitalization or shift to online is occurring. So I think that's the best thing that you can do to protect yourself. Perfect. That was amazing. Okay, where can people follow you? 
Yeah. So my Instagram handle is very easy to remember. It's at follow Mario. And then if you're interested in checking out the tea company, it's at we spill the tea co on Instagram or TikTok. Okay, perfect. Yay, Mario, you're the best. Like awesome. This was like, I feel like I learned a lot from this. So. Oh, this is so fun. Thank you I so much you for having me. Successful. You have your TikTok, you have H&M, you have a lot going on. So thank you for taking the time. Of course. And thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.